0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode here for the Suicide Squad, brought to you by the Geek Buddies. <gasps>
1: hey! yeah.
0: Well, we're back at it. That's a We're nice in unison, ladies and gentlemen. We're the Geek Buddy Squad. We're here to hang out and uh, talk to you guys about this movie, The Suicide Squad, that dropped over the weekend in theaters and on HBO Max. From director James Gunn, starring all kinds of people like Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, Joel Kinnaman, D- Daniela Melchior, David S. Melchior, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Margot Robbie, did I ever say Margot Robbie, Viola uh, Davis, uh, some dude with a javelin, the weasel Sean Gunn, um, Flew Flew Nathan aboard. Fillion, Michael Rooker, there's so many people in this movie. Uh, Pete Davidson, so many people in this movie. We're going to break it all down uh, and talk about everything. Spoiler terrific about the movie uh and so this this will be but your second to last warning as we'll get into the movie and also remember the stream labs the super chats are open so any questions you got send them in now we've only got 90 minutes on this review there's a time limit on this review so if you get your stuff in late you might not get it answered and what are you paying the money for if you're not going to get the answer you want so just letting you know right after best starts so start sending in the stream lab super chats i pinned it in the chat it's right above uh our head it's up there on the chat. Oh, wait, let me switch the brand So it reflects it. It's one of these up here. So I'll figure it out. Is this it? I think this is the right one. There it is. Streamlabs above my head. uh, And there you go. All right. So let's get our overall points of views. Mike, we'll start with you as we always do on the shows. What's your overall feeling now? You've had a couple of days to think about The Suicide Squad. And what was your overall feeling about the movie? Uh,
1: I think it is one of uh, my favorite of the DC movies. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyed it. Had a blast. Don't think it's perfect. Uh, Mm. Don't think it's like the greatest thing ever. Um, It's not my favorite James Gunn movie, but uh, we'll get into all that. But that being said, like, I truly, truly had a blast. Like, we went to see it. Shannon was with me. We were with some other people and went in to see it. Could not have had a better time in the movie theater. Mm. Laughed my ass off. Had a blast. Visually stunning. Um, Really just enjoyed the hell out of it. Definitely a lot better than Suicide Squad. Um, my favorite, my favorite Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn that we've seen, um, out of all of the Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, um, pieces. I thought this was the, this was the most Harley for me. Um, so I have a lot of, I have a lot of really great stuff, a lot of praise, a lot of things that I absolutely loved about it. And some things that I think didn't fully work about it that we'll get into as well. Absolutely, for sure. You know, this is
0: two separate Suicide Squads going into court of Maltese, which a lot of us know from The Dark Knight Returns or from Batman from 1989 and numerous other stories, Shannon. Uh, and then we get the first Suicide Squad and what happens to them. And then the second Suicide Squad, which pretty much carries the movie. What did you think about the overall effect of this movie? And like Michael, do you think it's better than the first one?
2: Uh, definitely think it is better than the first one by by leaps and bounds. It's not even not even in the same conversation. Um, I think for me it was a victim of very high expectations because coming out of uh, uh, Fandom, I was super excited to see it. Loved yep. all the marketing. Um, seeing those initial reviews that were just through the roof, at least, at least the ones that I saw, yeah. um, I, I probably had it set up at, uh, at, I had, I had an unrealistically high bar set for it. So okay. when the movie finished, I was like, huh? Yeah, it was good. I was like, You're I was good? expecting an A plus and I got a solid B. Okay. Um, going back and watching it again on HBO max by myself, I liked it a lot more, mm. um, tons of great performances there are like i'm very curious what got left on the cutting room floor because there are um many a character arc that it was kind of like that just kind of it just kind of ended there's some right. some characters like it was so packed full of people there were some characters i'm like you didn't you didn't need this you didn't need this character it mm. was kind of a waste of a character in in my opinion but overall It was a blast to watch in a theater. Um, Really great to hear, you know, just an audience all laughing kind of at the same time. And I hope that uh, the movie has some legs because, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all seen the the box office receipts and the articles that have come out in the wake of it. And I think the movie's probably getting a little unfairly maligned, even though I didn't think it was perfect.
0: Yeah, I think we'll touch on that later on in the show for sure. And this is your final uh, spoiler warning. We will be spoiling the movie. So if you haven't seen it, turn this off. Go to your local theater or, po- or, or pop on HBO Max. Watch it and come all back and pick up where you left off. I will say this, watching it again a second time, the holes are more evident, but... The things that I really enjoyed about it are even more enjoyable when I watch it a second time. So I will say this. I really liked it. I liked what we got. I enjoyed the twist and the change. Did he go too far sometimes with the humor? Yes. Did it affect the stakes sometimes? Yes, it did for me in certain situations. But overall, this is more the direction uh, that they want to go in. And this is the reason you hire James Gunn, because you want this kind of movie around your characters and yes it does feel very much like it rips off guardians of the galaxy but then again it's the same director so are you ripping off yourself i don't know is is uh is snatch a ripoff of Lockstock and two smoking barrels you make up you, you tell me uh i think he did a marvelous job with this i loved as michael said i loved margot robbie in this really had an emotional moment after she kills the dictator that was margot robbie showing behind all the makeup there's a damn good actress sitting there doing some great work uh, as well. Idris Elba even had this fantastic moment near the end of the movie with uh, Sebastian, where he, like, you know, kind of goes over his fear to pet Sebastian. That's some real acting going on. This isn't just, you know, surface level acting. So, this is why you cast the actors that you cast so they can bring out the best in a wacky, crazy, insane movie. And I'm here to tell you, Starro is a victim of the human race and we're going to get to that as we go along but let's start off first of all with with uh w- as we mentioned idris elba coming in to lead the squad what did you guys think about his character his relationship with his daughter storm reed shout out storm reed who's killing it lately on so many projects and also how he came about leading this team from beginning to end and his back and forths with peacemaker mike what would you think about idris elba what'd you think about him as Bloodsport?
1: Well, I think, I think this movie definitely, uh, kind of to your point on the acting front, like mm. benefits from the fact that every actor in this movie was great and every actor was bringing their A-game. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really helped you sort of uh, move past the fact that maybe some of the arcs, to Shannon's point, aren't fully, fully developed. And I think Idris Elba is yeah. the perfect example of this. He's yeah. great. He is charming as fuck. I could watch him all day long. Yep. Bloodsport, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Bring him in all the movies. Like He's great to me. But as far as his character arc this entire concept that they set up of like you're not a you know i'm going to make you a leader you're the leader yeah. of the team i'm not a leader and then at the end he leads i'm kind of like it it worked it was there it was fine like it, right. but i didn't i didn't really know what i was rooting for for his character to do throughout the movie Um, aside from the fact that I just really liked him a lot. Like, I was on board with him. I do think that, uh, and we can dive into this a little bit more later when we talk about Peacemaker as well, but I think what James Gunn was trying to set up in this movie is this idea, you know, the Suicide Squad in general are a bunch of bad guys acting as heroes. And if you look throughout this movie, you see, uh, you know, you've got Peacemaker who kind of says he stands for one thing but is really kind of the villain of the piece, and Mm -hmm. you've got Bloodsport who's kind of like says I'm a villain, like I'm a shitty dude, I'm a bad dad who ends up being a good guy. You mm-hmm. also have us thinking that, uh, you know, it's a foreign power that's our bad guy and then we really find out it's America that's the bad guy. So there's a lot of like, what does it really mean to be a good guy? What does it really mean to be a bad guy? And yeah. I think that they were really setting up this idea of like, you have Bloodsport on one side, you have Peacemaker on the other side, both kind of believing they stand for one thing. And yes. then at the end, it kind of flip-flops. And that's all there. Like it works, uh, but I don't think that it really packed the wallop that maybe James Gunn wanted it to. So so what do I think? So like, that is a very long-winded answer of saying, I thought Idris Elba was fantastic. And I would see him in any DC movie that continued to come off because I thought he was a complete badass. Um, but I thought the writing of Bloodsport was maybe just a little bit underdeveloped. Yeah, I think you
0: might, you're might. you not wrong there. I, I feel like the leader thing was Waller's kind of fucked up way of trying to retain some kind of alpha control in that relationship because she was ready to pop his head off his body before she was hit with a golf club. So you're right. It is really full. And even the stuff with the daughter with Storm Reed, that's my dad. It didn't really pack that punch because we only had one interaction with them, which was dysfunctional. And certainly many family members could relate to the, having an interaction like that. But there wasn't more to supplement it, right? Well, there wasn't more scenes with Storm Reed with her, like you know, being ashamed of her dad, trying to defend her dad to other people. which seems to be in foster care or whatever, Shannon. What did you think about how they handled Bloodsport here and him essentially stepping into Will Smith's shoes? I mean, the similarity between him and Will Smith's character in the first movie, a young daughter, you know, dad in jail, trying to defend himself. Like, there's there's definitely similarities that hit the same beats. What did you think about him stepping into the shoes?
2: I mean, as an actor, Idris Elba is just magnetic. I mean, you can't not watch him. Um, The thing that that I think really stands out about his performance is basically what Vogel said, is he was able to take a little and make a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the end, it does leave a little, because you don't really get... Any sort of you know reconciliation with his daughter, like she right. sees him, she sees right. him on television. it's like, "Oh, that's my dad." Like you know, maybe he's not this shitty guy. But basically, him becoming the leader that didn't really, it wasn't like the strongest connection to his daughter. Right. But it was just sort of like, okay, we need the team to turn around at this point, and he's going to be the one to do it because he's he's the guy stepping into the leadership role. Right. Um, I feel like with most of the characters, something that the first Suicide Squad did very well was showing us something shitty that they did to put them in Bell Rev. And oh, okay. this, we know, like like Amanda Waller tells us, like, hey, he put Superman in the ICU with kryptonite bullet. All the rest of them were sort of inferring what they yeah. did. And I think that was probably a weakness, Um, but we can talk about that when we get to uh, get to those other characters.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Okay, well then let's swing back around to you, Shannon. What did you think about Peacemaker? What do you think about John Cena? What he was able to do here, stepping in. I mean, John Cena showing up in more and more franchises, really establishing himself outside of the wrestling ring even though he came back to wrestle a couple of weeks ago and will be at SummerSlam in in the coming uh, weeks here but he is this is something that launched with F9 and now he's into this so two big franchises back to back did you like that this showed more of the humor more of the back and forth and of course he has that turn at the end did you like his addition and what he did in the movie?
2: I, I like I have not seen every John Cena film, but okay. I would go as far to say this is one hundred percent his best performance. Wow, um, okay. from beginning to end, I thought he did a fantastic job. He played just this broy, yeah. misguided douche so well like he was just so funny and then he has some really nice dramatic moments at the end there I mean mm-hmm. when you when yeah. you get to his turn um this is the movie like you know uh, blockers I thought he was funny but he was yeah. also surrounded by a lot of funny people right. this is the first movie that I'm like okay maybe you could carry a movie by yourself like maybe you maybe this peacemaker series maybe this is going to be something good because you know you're the guy right. um i i I was not expecting a whole lot from him and i thought he did i thought he did a dynamite job i mean just really really solid work
0: yeah mike what did you think that john cena brought to this movie that maybe the previous suicide squad might have been missing or what did you think he brought overall though to the characters and to the overall um uh trajectory of the film because he has that turn at the end he's played for laughs for the most part even though he's like chopping people up left and right but at the end, there's a really legitimate, serious turn when he tries to kill, um, when he kills, actually, Rick Flag and almost kills Ratcatcher too.
1: Yeah, I look, I think that uh, John Cena has proven himself to be a very charismatic, likable guy. And I think that when you have someone who ultimately... Is the villain of your all villain piece, the one that we are not rooting for? Right. Um, you know, it would be really easy to hate him, and as a character that kind of represents a very thinly veiled analogy to America itself, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like they're they're definitely setting him up to be kind of this asshole, and yet because it's John Cena, like you really are charmed and enjoy mm-hmm. the humor. I mean, he's he's basically a dumb frat bro, patriotic killer. So like like it's like three strikes against him on like you shouldn't like him, but he's really fun. And I mean and I think like the sequence when they uh, ultimately are killing a bunch of freedom fighters, but when he yeah. and Eaters Elba are kind of trying to out assassinate, out assassinize each other. Sure. A, is that the right word? Out sure, out assassin uh, out assassinate <laughs> each other. But when they like like that it's so much fun to watch. Like the interplay between two of them. Like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that James Gunn clearly was trying to build this thing between the two of them. Yeah. And I like, even though he didn't fully get there, maybe in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, all the pieces along the way were great. Like watching them sort of uh kind of see who had the bigger gun, like who was who could outkill who, who was the right. better batter assassin, who was the better villain, and then also watching them kind of work together as they made their way through the whole adventure. Like it was fun. These two were playing off of each other really well. And particularly mm-hmm. given the fact that Idris Elba is, as Shannon said, just a magnetic actor who yeah. is just bringing his A-game to anything he does. The fact that John Cena was kind of going toe-to-toe to him and kind of holding the screen next to yeah. him uh, and holding your attention, like, it really does say a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And look, Johnny uh, just donated. He said, honestly, enjoyed
0: the U.S. imperialism stuff. But how did the Geek Buddies feel about it? Justice for polka dot, man. We're definitely going to get to David Dismalchin <laughs> and his mom for sure in this review. But yes, I think the U.S. imperialism thing, I like that they hit it. I thought it was gutsy of them to hit it, for lack of a better term. I also think this was great within this scene that Michael bought, uh, pointed out, and so did Shannon, of Idris Elba. Peace, basically, a peacemaker and blood Bloodsport out-assassinating each other uh, throughout that camp. That's the hubris of American... Uh, weapons of the, the design like they're so caught up with trying to outdo each other but they don't realize that they're killing innocent people in the process this idea of wanting to be the big alpha dog in the room kills these these resistance fighters, essentially, you can make that a separate country, a small country. Essentially, America and whoever America is battling, they're battling each other and destroying the small country because they're lesser than or they see them as lesser than. So the U.S. imperialism throughout when, when Viola Davis is like, we're done here. You've got the in the records. Get out of there. And they turn their backs on her and essentially risk getting their heads blown off by that temp- to go back in and save this country and fight against Starro that's against u.s imperialism so what did you guys think about it was it was it a little too on the nose or did you like the way it was kind of working underneath everything
2: Uh, i i I don't think it was too on the nose at all i mean i think this is is stuff that has happened uh throughout throughout the history of our country unfortunately Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it would not be a shock that something that could take us down is something is is a monster of our own making so i definitely didn't think it was too on the nose at all it didn't bother me one bit
1: Okay, Mike, what did you think? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I'm kind of with Shannon. I don't think it was happening underneath. I mean, I think it was pretty much happening on the surface. They were like, America did bad shit. Uh, I, and I, I, I think that that is true and I think it's like good that James Gunn wanted to tackle that and I think doing it in the way he did it in Suicide Squad where you're able to kind of have a little bit of a, hey, we're having a movie about what it means to be a bad guy or a good guy, so maybe we should take a look at ourselves a little bit, but also there's a giant star monster and we can have some fun. Um, that's the way you do it. I am curious, uh, and I've been thinking about it ever since mm-hmm. we saw the movie, um, I don't know that I want to see American Imperialism, the TV series on HBO Max. I'm not quite sure what the Peacemaker series is going to be. Right. I am sure that James Gunn has a plan. I am sure that he has an idea on how he wants to tackle it and use this character for a certain thing. But mm-hmm. I'm seeing some people in the chats like, there's a lot of people in this movie that I would rather see an HBO Max series about than Peacemaker, mm-hmm. despite John Cena's great performance. So I'm very curious to see where that goes. Yeah,
0: we do have an end credit scene uh, where you know the um, the two people walk up to them. Uh, Jennifer Holland is one of the actresses. I thought she did a really great job with her role that she had in the movie. I haven't seen her much, so it was my first time seeing her. I think the other general I've seen in other things before, but they're essentially probably Steve going to Aggie. be Steve Aggie. Yeah. It looks yeah. like those two are going to be like his guys, uh, his people who are going to guide him and assign the missions to him and what have you. So uh, you're right, Michael, you, 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 hesitate a little bit because if, if it's a guy I'm not going to like, or you're trying to redeem him while he's doing the American imperial imperialism shit. I don't know how many people are going to be on board with this. Plus having two white leads, leading another white lead doesn't work. So, I mean, hopefully there's more, people of color getting involved in this and more women getting involved in this and see where we're going and people from other countries so that there's a calling out of the of Peacemaker uh, with uh, with that series. We shall see. But like you said, Mike, we don't know. James Gunn probably has a big grand plan for this situation. We shall see. Let's move on to Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn. Uh, Mikey, what do you think of Harley Quinn in this movie versus Birds of Prey versus Suicide Squad uh, versus anything else she's appeared in before? Did you like this version of her? Do you sense that Margot Robbie has grown into the role and is now commanding the role, at least on screen, as much as maybe Kaylee Cuoco now is doing it
1: animated-wise. Uh, well, I, I, I'll put it in a different way. I don't okay. know that Margot Robbie has grown into the role. I think the movies have grown into Margot Robbie. Okay. I, okay. Think, I think Margot Robbie was the best part of Suicide Squad. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I dislike the first Suicide Squad, uh, I think Margot Robbie was killing it as Harley Quinn despite the fact that she had to wear the sexy outfit and the little, th- you know, like, like she right. was still like, she was killing it as Harley Quinn. In Birds of Prey, which I think is a better movie than Suicide Squad, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't love everything about it, I think Margot Robbie is killing it as Harley Quinn. Yeah. And I think this is the movie that finally uh, elevated the rest of the DC universe to be as big as the Harley Quinn that she plays. And I think <laughs> she point. is absolutely My favorite part of this movie, I was re-watching parts of it now, and you know you can kind of tell, especially now that you can watch it on HBO Max, especially when you don't have a lot of time, you're like, oh, let me skip around, what do I want to watch? And I just find myself watching all the Harley Quinn parts. I think she was fantastic. Harley Quinn is one of my favorite characters in DC, if not all, of comics. Mm -hmm. And I think like Margot Robbie just understands the character and gets it. And she's always been playing it the right way. It's just the rest of the movies around her maybe didn't fully... Uh, get it. And yeah. here, like, I mean, watching her give a speech about her uh, red flags in relationships, yeah. and that's why she had to shoot a man. Like yeah. <laughs> I was, I wanted to stand up and cheer in the uh, in the in the audience.
0: Yeah, I mean, James Gunn does her right, don't you think? Uh, uh, Shannon, as a director, like she's really showcased every scene she's in. I saw someone tweet out that she was sidelined in the movie. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, every, I, she's such one of the most memorable parts of the movie. Her fight scenes are incredible. I mean, the flowers thing as she's going through mowing down all those dudes. I didn't see that coming at all. I thought it was brilliant. Her use of the javelin. The irony, and I said this in my watch along earlier today on Twitch, Shannon. I felt like the one perfect guy that was for her was Javelin, and he got killed. It's just the irony of that uh, when she's talking red flag because he hands her the Javelin and says, you are the only one worthy to carry this thing. And so how ironic would it be that the one guy who would probably support her, respect her, uplift her, is the one who dies on the beach next door? What did you uh, think about how uh, Harley Quinn was portrayed in the movie how, and what Margot Robbie did in this film?
2: Yeah, of her three appearances as Harley Quinn, this is definitely my favorite. And I think this is where she kind of had, I feel like she probably had the best director. And also because... Uh, this was an ensemble movie. I mean, she gets she gets her moments. I don't feel like shes yes. sidelined at all. I mean, I do think she has two of the best moments, two of the best sequences in the movie, um, mm-hmm. when she's with the general and then when she's escaping that prison. Um, both of those sequences are fantastic. there There was a joke that that I thought was coming when she talks at, at the beginning to Javelin how much she likes his accent. And then when she meets with the general, I was like, oh, you got to say you like his accent. You got to say you like his accent. And then when she meets Bloodsport, I'm like, you got to say you like his accent. You set that up. Why aren't you doing this? Um, No, I I thought she was dynamite. Um, The thing with the the flowers and the birds that she's taken out those guards. I do wish for the audience. And this is, this is a personal thing. I, you know, people might, might disagree with me. I wish they'd given her some sort of like psychotropic, uh, psychotropic truth serum. So she was actually seeing all this shit kind of, you know, as she's laying these guys out, she's actually seeing it. And I think it makes the, the, uh, the introduction to Bloodsport. If she's still got the kind of little trippy birds hanging around, I think it would have made the sequence that much funnier. But again, just me.
1: Yeah, I fair. do. I I do think, uh, yeah. to the people that think she's sidelined, I think the reason that people might feel that way, because I do agree, I think she has some of the best moments in the entire movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, in an ensemble movie, if you're like giving everyone their amount of screen time, she definitely has one of the bigger amounts of screen time since she yeah. gets to go off on her whole own adventure. And but kill Starro. And, 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 and ultimately and kill Starro. Yeah. Um, I think, though, that from an emotional standpoint, again, like, like so with Bloodsport, we know that we are given... You're a shitty dad and yep. you're no good, you say you're a no-good villain. And at the end, you save rat catcher two, you're a hero, you stop Peacemaker. So, like right. you do get a little bit like I again, I think it's a little thin, it could have been bigger, but that is an arc. Yes. Uh, you know, Polka Dot Man gets to have his like, I've got all my fucking issues, oh, I'm a superhero. You yeah. know, each peacemaker is uh, you think he's this guy, you think he's this guy. Harley. Every moment she has is golden because, like I said, Margot Robbie is just killing it at this point. But aside from what should I use this javelin for, oh, this is what I will use this javelin for. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really have an arc in the movie. She is just sort of chaos unleashed at all points and is Harley Quinning all over the movie. And it's a joy to watch. But I think if people feel like she's sidelined, I don't think it's an issue of she needed more screen time or I wish Mm -hmm. I got more Harley. I think it's, well, what was harley's journey in this movie and i think that she yeah. didn't really have a journey she was just there having a fucking great clowny harley quinn time
0: it feels like man and maybe i'll push back a little bit on that mike it feels like her journey is through all three of these movies like she's lost joker and all that in birds of prey she's still processing what she's going to be and who she is as a woman which is why she has that speech there uh and the javelin thing is in essence purpose like she's seeking purpose what she's going to do next with her life. And so the ja- being able to use the javelin and find her purpose. And that is kind of a minor victory for her. And what's the next step. And I've seen a lot of people maybe are saying that she's going to be like the Tony Stark of the DC universe where she will show up in multiple people's movies, do some scenes and be in and out, which I would kind of like to see because she, it just delivers every single time. So along with her own movies, being able to pop into Aquaman—I mean, it's Aquaman or the Batman or anything else you got rolling through—I think would be very interesting uh,
1: for myself personally. I think it's a really I, so. I, a, I think that's a really good point. I think if you look mm-hmm. at Suicide Squad, to Birds of Prey, to the Suicide Squad, you can definitely make that argument. I would push back and say, if you really wanted that argument to land, like if you really (laughs) were like, Suicide Squad is you're still in love with the Joker, he rescues you at the end, Birds of Prey, you're moving on from the boyfriend, you're trying to figure out who you are on your own, you got a bunch of girls to help you out, and in this movie you really step into your own, then it would have been the way you would have built that arc, for an example, like not the only way, but that for an example would be to say... She earlier on in the movie was relying on, well, Rick Flagg is going to help me out or Bloodsport right. going to help me out. Or these. And then at the end with Rick gone and everything else, she realizes that she's the only one that can help herself out and says, oh, I don't need yeah. anybody else. I'm doing this on my own. Like right. all you ever want if you're a Harley Quinn fan is that moment where she goes, oh, yeah. I'm fucking complete in my own right. Therapy right. solved, I'm gonna save the day. And she does do that, so you make a valid point. I think yeah. if that was what they really wanted to do, they could've, again, and I guess this is like my- brought more attention this is, to
0: it. Yeah,
1: this is my only, my only complaint of the movie is I thought everything that happened was great, and if there's just certain parts where I'm like, ooh, if you had dug in a little deeper there or done that a little bit more, I think it would've landed even harder
0: yeah i don't think you're wrong i think that's re-watching it a second time that's what struck me about the movie is you went for the jokes when you could have gone for the deeper stuff and we've seen you with guardians of the galaxy go for the deeper stuff within the jokes so i don't know why he hesitated going for the deeper stuff or maybe he was told not to go too deep on some of these things who knows shannon let's swing around to some of the comedy here poke it up man let's talk about it i mean David S. Malchian, apparently can exist in every universe known to man in the superhero <laughs> world. Here he is uh, sliding into this role as polka dot man. And you can tell he's a very conflicted person. We see him with that thing around his neck being unstrapped. And then sh- uh, Sean Gunn makes fun of him uh, and all of that. And I don't know if he's playing Calendar Man or he's not. Cal- Sean- I think calendar he's Calendar Man. <laughs> I think so, yeah. He's making fun of him. Uh, shout out Sean Gunn who gets two roles in the movie. Uh, but yeah, he's doing this. And then we find out like he's he's got those the, the, the rash on his face and we see him do those spinning things to get rid of him. But then the mom stuff, the mom stuff is great. And I don't know much about this actress, but she was perfect casting for his anger and his frustration. And he gets that payoff, as Michael said, he gets that arc where he says, I'm a superhero before Starro stomps him uh, to death. What what did you like about what Dustin Maltzian did? Did you have any reservations about how they took a basically forgotten character like Polka Dot Man and gave it some depth uh, to counter some of the other stuff we've complained about where there wasn't enough depth?
2: Yeah, this uh, Polka Dot Man is one of the sillier uh, uh, members of Batman's rogues gallery. And he <laughs> this is a very different version than from the comics. The guy mm-hmm. in the comics basically just has... Polka dots they're, they're tech, they're tech based. Um, whereas this, I mean, I think this was a much more interesting story that his mom wanted him and his siblings to become superheroes, so she basically infected them with the a yeah. interdimensional virus. Yeah. Um, I would be curious why he was this is one of the characters. I'm like, why is he in Bel Rev? is it just yeah did he murder his mom i'm assuming that's what happened oh Um, maybe but if he murdered his mom would they put him in bell rev i mean it's like i get that the 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 polka dots are very dangerous but he was one of the characters that i'm like i would like to know more about this now and at at two hours and 12 minutes i I understand you know we don't have time to you know get in the weeds with everybody but he is one of the characters that i would have liked to have known because i'm just like. He doesn't seem like a bad guy to me. Like right. I don't know why he's on this squad of supervillains when he literally just seems kind of like a like a bookish dude. There's never that moment where he just loses it. He mm-hmm. he gets rid of the polka dots, which does you know an incredible amount of damage. Right. Um, but again, he doesn't seem like 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 a dangerous guy to me for the most part. I thought uh, Desmashkin's performance was great. I mean, oh, yeah. this is like he plays such a great sad sack i guess and when you have that uh, sequence when they're in the bar waiting for the thinker and he's dancing with all those versions oh my of god his mom. yeah that, that was, was one so of those... weird <laughs> the, the, the first butter. shot where they're literally it's the rest of the team and it's yeah. all his mom i was like wow that's really funny and then when he's just doing this gigantic dance like okay now now i'm getting a little like <laughs> um, but i thought i thought he did he did a really great job and and was used the perfect amount. I really yeah. wish he hadn't died. <laughs> yeah, Personally, man. I was like, that was such an unceremonious way to go. I mean, he did yeah. finally become a superhero and then immediately gone.
0: Well, we have to clear the path for Condiment King. So, I mean, it's, you've got to make way oh, for Condiment King down the road <laughs> for sure. Uh, and uh, shout out to that actress. Lynn Ash is her name. I think she's a Georgia-born actress and uh, fantastic. If, if you might be wondering where you saw her, she was Paul Walter Hauser's mom in Itania. She was Shangaluli's mom in Itania. Oh wow! So that's where you might have seen her before. But I mean, her as the Suicide Squad in that scene in the jungle, and then her as all, all <laughs> dancing around him was brilliant. And then her as Staro. Oh yeah. my god! Just all of it, Michael was genius. What do you think about
1: right. Polka Dot Man and how they used his mom in this? And I mean, look, great comedy. Great comedy comes in threes. It's always threes. You get, <laughs> here's the joke. Yes. Here's the callback of the joke. Here's the grand finale, and they. This is James Gunn nailing a joke. Like yeah, it worked so good each time, and each time was just a little bit different. Um, and it really does show up. And I mean, this is where James Gunn really, really, really where he shines in Guardians. Uh, it's where he shines in this. Is he's such a great visual storyteller. Yeah. Um. You know, to Shannon's point, I would have loved to have known probably uh, what Polka Dot Man was in for. I completely buy that he is a complete psychopath and probably killed a lot of people because he's crazy. Um, but sure. I would have liked to have known more, but I think that you get the, everything you need to know about him is given to you in the fact that everyone is his mom. It is such a weird thing that visually is so unsettling and so creepy and it (laughs) works so good. And he's such a creepy dude. Um, he was just great. It, 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 It's the perfect example, and again, you know, it's to the example of what we're talking about, because I'll probably keep talking about this, is like those arcs for these characters, is that Mm -hmm. not every character, certainly in a movie with this many characters, is going to have huge sweeping arcs. Um, But it's not about screen time. It's not about spending a ton of time with a character. It's just enough... Uh, The way my old English teacher used to say it when I said, how long would a paper need to be? She would always say, as long as a dress, it just has to cover everything important. And like with him, it's the same thing. Like, like you, he, he's, he's a weird psychopath. His mom fucked him up. Yeah. He sees his mom everywhere. She wanted him to be a superhero. He never lived up to mom. And at the end, he, he gets to take down mom and be a superhero. You're like, boom, done, done, done. I am good. (laughs) That is an arc. He is a winner. Like it worked perfectly absolutely absolutely um let's see here i wanted to hit some
0: of these streamlines before we move on to the rest of the the movie here rodney p says give kalinowski his respect he called it over a year ago javelin man was gone in the first 10 minutes lol hashtag nothing like a bloodbath to end the day um yeah sure i don't i didn't know he called it out but sure i mean i I think a lot of people were saying that there was going to be two teams the first team we wiped out then the second team would actually be the suicide squad but if he specifically called out javelin man to die then
1: yes Give Kalinowski all his flowers, gentlemen. Uh, hey, I love giving Kalinowski flowers, so Hello. I will. I will. I'll send a bouquet right now. Hold on. I think when we saw that
2: trailer and the the right stuff shot in front of the American flag, it was like, all right, uh, if they don't yeah. appear in another scene, it's pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> who's going down. I will say the the way that they used the second team, that was not something that I expected. I didn't expect it to be a distraction. I thought it was going to be kind so of a situation. So you mean the first situation.
0: team? You mean the first team? Yes,
2: yes. yes. Uh, our, yeah. our 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 secondary team.
0: Yes, rather. fair. Secondary, um, yes.
2: I assumed it was going to be more of a rescue situation because we see Harley mm. with both. We see Rick Flagg with both Um the fact that they I mean, this this speaks to the the uh, viciousness of Amanda Waller um, that she was willing to sacrifice this entire team yeah. to uh, to get the other team up on the beach without being detected. Um, that was a, that was a really that was a really clever move, I think
0: as a good military military tactician would do you know it's about the over it's about overall victory in the war. it is about stroking hair and making you feel good about yourself. this is the game and she made her decisions. but I thought it was really smart from a narrative point of view and I wonder what you guys think of having Harley Quinn, uh, Jai Courtney and Joe Kinneman on that first team all recurring characters from the first suicide squad movie it made you wonder if they were actually if we were right that this first team was going to be wiped out because you have those three stalwarts. And then when Boomerang, Man, when Boomerang, Captain Boomerang died, I was shocked. I was shocked. Just like I was shocked when Rick Flag died. It was pretty incredible. What did you guys think? Do you think it was smart of them to make, to to kind of mess with the audience a little bit by having them be part of the first team? Or did you already assume they were going to be wiped out even though they were there?
1: I think yes to both. I think to Shannon's okay. point, even though Rick Flag and Harley were there in watching the trailers and just doing the math on the scenes and who shows up where I'm like, I'm pretty sure most of those people are gonna die. <laughs> um, but fair, I, fair. but I think, but I do think to sort of a more average viewer who doesn't obsessively go over trailers the way we do, I think you're hundred <laughs> percent right. I think you're like, oh, that's surprising. you you know, you're not expecting it. I also thought, as far as not expecting things, I really, like Shannon said, did enjoy the fact that I kind of thought it was going to be like oh well we sent the first team in to try and deal with Starro they failed mm-hmm. so now here's the second team and all by the oh by the way go go pick up Harley on the way yeah. and the fact that they were the distraction and that this was all the big thing was smarter but then as soon as the other team showed up on the island i started going through the trailers in my head and remembering all the scenes we saw of like Bloodsport and Weasel mm. and everybody back at the back at Bell Reve and I'm like oh well did that all get cut what happened and so it also kind of led to this whole idea that James Gunn was just telling this movie completely sequentially out of order mm-hmm. just to like oh well i want to show you this part but now i want to go back and show you what was happening before and now mm-hmm. we're going to go here oh but while this was happening eight minutes earlier up at the you know like he kind of just jumped around time wise mm-hmm. but because he really made it clear when he was doing it and how he was doing it i don't think anybody got confused and it kind of made the story a little bit more frantic and fun
0: yeah
1: uh I, I, shannon anything to add to that
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing in the chat that people think that they weren't a distraction, that they were just sending in two teams. I'm like, how does Blackguard have access to get to contact the Corto Maltese army? Like, like you don't you don't get that type of access in a place like Rev. And basically, when uh, that first explosion happens, when the second team is on the beach, yeah. And Idris Elba calls in and she's kind of like, hey, and she's like, don't worry, it's taken care of, no one's gonna be there. So they were a distraction. Like this was all this was all deliberate. And the fact that Viola Davis or Amanda Waller was willing to sacrifice Rick Flag for this, again, yeah. proves sort of the viciousness of her character. And uh is one of the reasons I was uh, I was disappointed we didn't get more of Amanda Waller.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. We, you know, Viola Viola looked like she was uh she was fully uncomfortable as uh, amanda waller leading this team she was upset from beginning to end in this whole situation let's move on to the other two characters here Let's move on to Ratcatcher 2, Daniela Melchior. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I thought she was a standout performance in the movie. I I had never seen her in anything before. I immediately connected with her, immediately was worried about her, immediately liked what she did, loved the way she was always falling asleep, loved the way she kind of almost got eaten by King Shark and then negotiated friendship with him, which leaves (laughs) that great moment at the end. Also, like she legitimately was the heart of that team. Like She was always wishing for the best always assuming the best what did you think about her uh,
1: her, Michael uh I really liked her a lot I do agree that she was the heart of the team um she was super likable right off the bat I was Mm. a little curious about the sleeping thing because they kind of set it up at the beginning they set up this thing that she was always so tired and so asleep and I'm and I was kind of waiting for that to resolve itself into something Mm -hmm. like where does this go why is this important what does this say about her character or her past or anything and it kind of just wasn't a thing, right? You know, I do kind of, uh, kind of to Shannon's point on the rev of it all, like, she seemed like, was she like a pickpocket? Like, she didn't seem like she was a hardened killer of men. Um, She was just so sweet and adorable. But uh, but I did really like, you know, and and clearly she's also there to stand in as sort of the daughter figure for Bloodsport so that we can sort of carry on his whole sort of being sort of a protector kind of storyline. But I think, like, even though again i feel like where they were going with her could have been solidified a little bit i thought that she was so good in the role and she was so Mm -hmm. charming and you liked her so much you liked her interplay with the rats you liked her interplay with king shark you liked her interplay with bloodsport like you liked her interplay with rick flag and with peacemaker like every scene that she was in um you got a sense of who she was well enough and then the whole flashback with her and taika was kind Mm -hmm. of just lovely i mean you know her whole moment at the end where really Someone who we didn't really think of, you know, with all these heavy hitters on the team, that uh, is going to be that important, kind yeah. of is the one that saves the day. I mean, in a lot of ways. So I thought that, combined with her flashback and what uh, what Ratcatcher one Taika Waititi said to her, was kind of really sweet as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. What do you think, uh, Shannon, about her? You know, you like to find new new actors. You like to uh, see what they can do here. Did you enjoy what she brought to the character of Ratcatcher two and her uh, interactions with Taika Waititi?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like as as Vogel said, she was definitely the mm-hmm. the heart of the team and uh, like I don't again I don't feel like robbing a bank yeah. is going to get you thrown in Pelarev. yeah <laughs> um, but th- but then again I, you, I think you can maybe I'm like walking back my argument a little bit of like Amanda Waller sees the potential in people just how she threatened Idris Elba's daughter um, yeah, she that's sees the potential to be able to use people be like no don't yes. no, put them in here put them here doesn't matter doesn't matter yeah. what they did Put in she here. could have been right. she could
1: have been shoplifting at Target and man and yeah. Waller would have been like yep Bell Rev, bitches bring her in
2: <laughs> but yeah I thought she That's I cool. thought she did a great job I mean she she definitely it, she reminded me of like Anna Armas, really I, mean, mm. I I feel like they even kind of look alike. Um it's 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 kind of the role that it's just Don't like, tell
0: Ben Affleck it, that. But anyway, yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> if if Anna Dharmas hadn't become like a star, I'm like I wonder if they would have tried to have gotten her for this role cuz oh. to me as soon as she walked on as soon as she walked on screen, I was like oh my gosh, it's knives out. Um yeah. but yeah, I mean I thought she I thought she did a really really great job And the moment at the end, her big hero moment. Oh. Um as she's thinking like having that last memory with her dad with that, you know, that wisdom that he imparted. Um you know, very very emotional moment. Yeah. It, in a movie where they're fighting a gigantic starfish from
0: outer space. Yes. And she's being run <laughs> over by rats. And I love that when he was like lying there, uh, uh, seeing a uh, uh, blood sport, be afraid of the rats for sure. Uh, one last person to talk about. Uh, and that's Sylvester Stallone as King shark. So, I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to go first on this. I, this is my boy. This is my hero. So seeing him play King shark, I was afraid that it was going to essentially be a ripoff of I Am Groot, but Stallone actually brought his own interpretation of this. I thought it was really funny. The mustache moment was hilarious. Um, I thought him playing with the fish was great. I would have loved to have been out in the booth, outside the booth, in the room when he is recording those lines of him running with the fish like a little you know boy, you know, getting all excited about it. But uh, also, he was very vicious in the movie. Rips that dude in half with the lightning behind him. Uh, what did you think about him, uh, Shannon, as, as as King Shark?
2: I mean, <laughs> when they're going in, we find out they're 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 freedom fighters. But when you, that first guy that he bites in half, and you see him kind of sneaking in the yeah. background, just such a funny, funny moment, and just the way mm. that James Gunn uh, shot that. So kind of keeping him in the background. But he also had one of like kind of the sweetest moments as well. Yes. After he had tried to eat uh, uh, Cleo. um, And when she's like, you know, would you do that to your friends? And his I know friends and like, oh, my God, like it just kind of ripped your heart out. Um, I I don't know if any participants of this movie are going to cross over with the rest of the DCU. Mm. If there is a DCU, I sure would love to see him hang out with Jason Momoa. That would be a blast.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I, I'd pay I'd pay to go see that a little mini mission <laughs> with those two all right I'm down uh,
0: what do you think uh Mike and, and also what do you think of the design of King Shark you know there were some close-ups where his skin was very you know they had that kind of rainbow look to it that you get sometimes when you look at certain scales on fishes what do you think about all of how the detail that they brought to this
1: character well, I, was, I mean, just in general, I've been watching on Netflix the movies that made us, you know, the new season oh, yeah. just came out. And one of them uh, is all about Jurassic Park and all about sort of the birth of modern CG special effects mm. uh, as we know them and the giant leap forward that happened when Jurassic Park was made. And you just, as you watch Suicide Squad, as you watch the Suicide Squad, and to your point, you watch these close-ups of King Shark where you have this giant man shark that is emoting as he's got this textured shark-like skin and his eyes are like you're like fuck man we can do anything like it really is (laughs) like we and I also thought you know to the whole like Groot thing um you know I think James Gunn made a really good call like Groot is sort of this uh at least in the first Guardians before he becomes a little kid again he's sort of this like wise quiet friend who sort of like, you know, rockets the explosive one. And he's just kind of there like, all right, I am Groot. I'm going to watch out for you. Kind of give him a commentary on things. And what they did with King Shark is they were basically like, look, he's he's a five year old who's who's always hungry. Yeah. His hunger is just he happens to want to rip apart people and eat them, but his everything about his character is it was like having a toddler on the team. Like he yeah. was like he thought he thought the mustache was really going to be his disguise. Like, <laughs> he doesn't really have friends. Like he sees a bunch of fish in the aquarium and he jumps around and has them chase him. Like yeah. he was this adorable man eating 5-year-old. And I think that was such a hilarious hilarious choice uh, of all the ways that they could have gone where they got to maximize the humor. The other thought that I part that I thought was great about him is like the number of times, because, like, aside from, like, Harley Quinn, uh, and I would have said Rick Flagg, and I would have been wrong, I was like, well, I think anyone is on the table for death. And as, because of that, I thought King Shark was dead 12 times. <laughs> I kept getting yeah. so sad. I kept getting so sad. I'm like, oh, well, that's the end of King Shark. Nope, he's back. Oh, well, the building fell on him, so that's the end of King Nope. <laughs> oh, the whole army's shooting him. No, nope, no, nope. he's still going. Yeah, all right, good. And like, couldn't couldn't be happier that that he has some real, real tough ass skin. He must be a demigod,
0: right? A lot of people speculating he must be a demigod because yeah, I mean, Starro f- literally flings him into a building uh, to c- just completely fall over on itself, and he falls from such a long height, and the sound when he hits the ground, you're just like, this this thing is dead. This thing is dead. So clearly, he's got some incredible powers. <laughs> It, yeah, James, Gunn
1: clearly, James Gunn was clearly was clearly having fun with us. Like yes. He he was like, I have killed so many of the people in this movie that they will believe anything that I do. Let me see how many times I can get them to believe that I killed King Shark and then be like, took it back, psych, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> good point, good point.
0: D-Loss <laughs> says, I don't think Bell Reeve is just superhumans. Waller said she would get Bloodshot's daughter transferred there, so I think she can probably get any criminal transferred there. So that's a fair point.
1: I think it is a fair point. I mean, as yeah. and as soon as Shannon said it, I think that is true. I think that as yep. much as we're trying to figure out what they did, and I saw people in the com- in the in the in the comments pointing out, yeah, Ratcatcher, she did say, you know, they thought of rats as armed weapons, and that's why she's in there. But I do think right. that really what it is is that, particularly in a movie that's talking about the way that America handles things, uh, mm. is also the way Amanda Waller handles things. Like yeah. there is no right or wrong, there is no fairness on who ends up in Bell Rev. Bell Rev is Amanda Waller's private playground, and she will home every uh news story for any criminal that can do anything and if she wants them she will put them in bell rev so i think that is true. true absolutely uh,
0: all right let's uh let's hit some more of these stream labs uh and ladies us gentlemen, we got 45 minutes till we wrap up the show so if you want us to answer any questions about suicide squad send them in now as we turn the corner uh past the halfway point point. we're going to stop at 7 30 that's our hard out 7 30 p.m pt all right doug developer says the thing i love about john cena is that even though he's not the best actor he absolutely gives it his all in every film he's in and is always looking like he's having a lot of fun which makes any film more enjoyable um i would say for the yes that's true f9 not so much but just about everything else yes i would agree what, what do you guys think
2: uh i i 100 agree because i think a lot of times you can have you can have very capable actors who need to be paired with that right director mm. um I, I think i think arnold schwarzenegger is never as good as when he's with james cameron and same thing with vin diesel and david uh from pitch black david uh Tui Tui, yeah um, Twohy, yeah Uh, i mean maybe james gunn is is going to be that for john cena i mean again i'm i'm very have been very very critical of his performances in the past because it's just like (laughs) some some of them have have made me kind of you know have been a little cringy for me there was not a moment of that in this movie for me at least and he actually produced some of the biggest laughs when Mm. when king shark is getting ready to eat cleo and he's there in his tidy whiteies, him just standing there i just i cracked up
0: i agree they said, that's racist. That's racist. What do you think? Uh, wh- wh- <laughs> any thoughts on this, Mike?
1: Yeah, uh, look, I think he's great. I mean, I, I, I've gotten used to John Cena being funny. So mm-hmm. although I completely agree with Shannon, I think he really nailed his comic moments. That wasn't what was surprising to me. But when he made that turn at the end, where he mm-hmm. really did kind of become the bad guy, where he like killed right. Rick Flagg and that whole fight scene. But like the whole idea that for him, uh, protecting truth, justice in the American way trump's doing the right thing mm-hmm. um and he really sold it like i that yeah. i really bought like to the point where i don't know that i want to watch him in a tv series which i guess is ultimately <laughs> a backhanded compliment to his performance it's a fair
0: point um uh yeah i liked him too i thought it was uh, i thought it was. and i would say this uh, michael makes an excellent point that in turn is what he has not been able to do well in films in the past yeah and i would i would accept I think he's the more believable as the villain in that end turn than he was in the entire movie of F9. Even though I liked F9, that was more realistic what he did in that scene with James Gunn than the entire movie playing the villain in F9. Um, F.J. Lopez says, hey, guys, I really like this movie. It's in my top five of DCEU movies. If we get a sequel, what characters from Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad and new characters would you all like to see? Also Ratcatcher 2 is the MVP of this film. Yeah, shout out to Danielle Melchior again. Uh guys, who, who would you want to see come back or who would you want to see added to the Suicide Squad?
1: Ooh,
2: I'm going to well, go now... I'm going to go added because okay. because of who we've already seen. Um I would love to see Bane on a team. Oh, really? And and I would like to see Mr. Freeze. I'd love to see some some Batman representation.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, All
0: right,
1: Mike. I, I only I only want to see Bane if he's the Bane of the Harley Quinn animated series. <laughs> why are you saying that that's that oh I, I i ordered the chicken it's my chicken um i uh the fuck is the was it in gail simone's run on suicide squad is mm. it is it the doll the marionette like the, the super creepy somebody in the chat tell me who it is you know who i'm talking okay. about like the creepy like weird contorts their body in all manner oh. of everything. Okay, um, That's who I want to see because I think that would be great. I also think Catman is a really interesting villain um, from Gail Simone's run. <laughs> okay. Um, just because he kind of falls into that shot blood sport kind of like I'm a hero, not a hero. But like, if right. we're going to continue with those kind of characters to sort of lead things... Um, as far as just like the broader DC universe, Mm. uh, I would love as, particularly if James Gunn is going to continue with it, I would love maybe someone from Flash's rogues gallery, like mirror man or something like somebody that has like a really weird power that sometimes in the right hands is really, uh, interesting and cool. And in the wrong hands is like cheesy as fuck. But I think that James Gunn kind of like (laughs) with polka dot man would take some of the cheesier villains of the DC universe, Mm. uh, and really give us the best possible version of them. I like Reverse flash. Ragdoll. Ragdoll. Thank oh, you. God, ragdoll. Sorry. <laughs> I like Reverse <laughs> Flash.
0: I like Dr. Light. Um, I love the Bane idea. That would be so fantastic. Add on to that Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy could be it's a way to redeem that character. You can even mess around with Cheetah if you wanted to go and recast that or, or find some other way around that but Superboy could be very interesting uh, as well. I like that idea of Superboy as a way to kind of maybe open the door to another super character in the series and have fun with it in the DC universe. But yeah. Um, or let's see a oh, bronze tiger. That's a great suggestion. John Lee bronze tiger as well. I would, That'd be curious.
1: I mean, I'm on board. I didn't think about it. But yeah, as far as like, look, I think that there's a lot of people that really want to see uh, live action Harley and Ivy uh, together. So I think that if Margot Robbie, if Margot Robbie is going to continue on the, uh, on the train of these DC movies, I think bringing in a Poison Ivy and having that be sort of part, maybe like wrapping that story into a Suicide Squad mm. kind of tale could be uh, super, super interesting and a lot of fun Make for me- all those Harley and Ivy fans out there.
0: All right. Haskell has two of them uh, here. He said, Hey guys, I'm with Shannon, all this hype, how it's a masterpiece. And I thought it was only okay. A lot of good to great, funny to hilarious. And also lots of meh, not funny and stuff that didn't make sense. And even like Rooker's character, we first see him in jail, get his backstory and he kills a bird. Then he runs away, scared from battle. If he didn't kill the bird, uh uh, if he didn't kill the bird would have shown he's changed in some way i thought polka dot man his interstellar disease was the key to killing starro and his death was stupid okay all right strong (laughs) words strong words fair
1: (laughs) point my friend uh you guys have any comments on that or we move on i mean listen you got some opinions on rooker's character for sure (laughs) but i'm with (laughs) you but i'm with you i mean look i think i think that I think that, like, that was sort of, I think the goal that Gunn was going for, whether it was successful or not, is this like, it was, like, to pull the rug out from under you. Like, we spent this moment, we start on Michael Rooker, we show that he's this, like, guy who can do this thing, and we're like, all right, we're going to see some shit. And then he just completely freaks out in the field. Um, It was a nice little sort of reversal. But, uh, but, yeah, like, especially if you were on the Rooker train, I could see how that would be a, uh, like, a little bit of a,
0: what?
2: Especially after he saves uh, Weasel you you would not expect him to turn tail and run
0: yeah fair so to
2: speak so to speak
0: uh tensers and guts man oh i like that says loved how much fun starro was having smushing people as he was stumbling around the city keep up the great work fellas all right let's uh, we'll hit rick flag as well let's talk about starro I, I don't think he was having fun starro was a young starfish space starfish Hanging out in the fucking cosmos, looking at the stars. He was going for a walk in essence. And these colonial colonialists essentially kidnapped him, put him on a spacecraft, put him in a box, then took him down to Earth. And the thinker, Capaldi, worked on him for 30 years. So his last line when he says, I was, I just, I just was uh, so happy looking at the stars that's the line of a of a, of a, uh, a person who is essentially in a state of arrest development or a th- species rather in a state of arrest development that was caught and tortured for 30 years. So even when they walk into the Starro lab, he's like, have you come to free us? Have you come to get us away from this guy? So clearly Starro is not a villain here, in my opinion. He is essentially like King Shark. This, this thing was captured at a young age and all it's known is torture. And every human being it's ever come in contact with has wanted to torture, capture it, or mess with it in some way. So why would he ever trust any human beings? And so him wanting to take over the city was in essence saying, leave me the fuck alone.
1: That's my opinion. What do you guys think about how Starro was portrayed in the film? Go for I, it, Mike. I, <laughs> I just think one of my favorite things about Geek Buddies is just watching the hills that John Roka the outlaw wants to die on. There's been a lot of them. There's been I'm a dying, lot of hills. I'm
0: dying on this coral reef as well. There's, there's there's Hayward there's Hayward
1: Island and now just out past Hayward Island there's the there's the Staro coral reef. And Roka is is marching back and forth on that reef and he's yelling at everybody to stay off his reef. Like I just look. Was Starro was Staro used by humanity? Yes. Was he experimented on? Yes is he a giant telepathic alien killer who would have wiped out all of humanity? Yes. Now, to the point that they made right. on the stream lab, was he enjoying stomping on people? Fuck yeah he was, even by your logic As someone who had been oppressed and tortured, he was super happy to step on his oppressors. I will say that Starro being a telepathic alien, I do disagree with you a little bit that as he was absorbing everybody's uh, face that he landed on and uh, reading all their stuff, he probably got a little bit of a nuanced view of humanity and maybe realized that not everybody was as horrible as Thinker and the people that were experimenting on him. And he still was just going to step on everybody. So I don't know that he is the lovely uh, starfishy snowflake that you think he is, but but hey, you do you. But you do you. <laughs> He's just looking at the stars and having
0: fun. Shannon
2: johnny i'm inclined to agree with you yes <laughs> wow this poor interstellar creature yes. was minding his business when these astronauts brought him in and were taking selfies with him for yeah. taking photos i don't know if they, i don't know if they had cell phones but they were taking pictures with him <laughs> and then this creature defended itself and as you could hear, once the, the thinker brought the that brought part of the team into sort of the holding cell, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he was basically saying like that. You know, uh, Greaves has done all this. He's done all that. Have you? Have are you here to save us? He right. Staro. I don't know if Starro is a he or a she, but Starro loses the moral high ground when they start ejecting little Staros, which it was. By far, one of the grossest things I've ever seen. Oh my seen. god!
0: Agreed. <laughs> but starts percent.
2: ejecting all the little Starros, taking over the rest of the city. <laughs> I think that was the moment where Starro lost the moral high ground. But yeah. if I had to pick a side, <laughs> I might be I might be uh, pulling up my boat to, to Hayward Island again <laughs> with John. I'm just you saying. Know what?
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. You can't capture something and completely subject it to. Uh, experiments and not expected to flip out at, when it finally gets a little bit of freedom. And shooting the starfish out, I don't think it loses the moral high ground. What it's trying to do is defend itself and control any human that might kill it or hurt it, because that's all it's known from human beings is pain. So maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe the telepathic, whatever, but
1: I don't know. I, I'm just saying that, like, look, regardless. <laughs> I don't want to deal with Starro. Uh, neither do I. Neither. I don't Send want to back be there. Space. I don't want to be there. I mean, to your point, I do yeah. believe that James Gunn is sympathetic towards his giant uh, kaiju monster. Yes. And it is very clear. James Gunn is very clear on who the ultimate bad guy is in this movie. Right. And it us. So, like, that is that is definitely his point. And Starro uh, is as much a victim as many of our other bad guys are in the movie he's still a bad guy
0: yeah.
1: all right fair um
0: he said uh, jesse banana says but he wouldn't be here to hurt us if we hadn't captured him. if we hadn't captured him i never thought i'd say this but vogel you're wrong <laughs> oh my god Jesse Banana turned on you, Listen,
1: Jesse Banana. (laughs) Listen, Jesse Banana. I'm not saying that we're not at fault for Starro. I'm just saying that Starro is not. Listen, Uh, you get get me at the end of King Kong, and uh, King Kong just wants to be left alone. King Kong is lovely. King Kong is like, I just want to go with my little blonde girlfriend, and I want to go eat a banana. I get it staro was like fuck you out of my armpit fuck you out of my armpit like all the little pieces coming out i'm like no 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 Uh, he's no good
0: i like this the staro lives matter
1: i I stand with
0: staro i like this okay (laughs) I dig it. I dig it. Um, all right. Let's 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 move on to Rick Flag real quick, and then we'll circle, and then we'll talk about the things that we didn't like about the movie because obviously we've been heaping praise on the movie for an hour now. Uh, I think this is the best, Joe Kinnaman. I think, as you, as you said, Michael, earlier, uh, James Gunn really brought out, or or Shannon said, like, uh, James Gunn really brought out the best in Harley Quinn in this movie. I think he also brought out the best in Rick Flag in this movie. We finally got the Rick Flag that we know from the comics. His death was tragic. It was tragic because... He wanted to do the right thing as a military guy, which is really rare in movies sometimes. So it was great to see that. But then to have to pay the price ultimately to someone like Peacemaker was a shame. And clearly, Kenneman had been hitting the weights knowing he was going to fight John Cena. He looked massive in this, in comparison to other films or shows. What would you guys think of him?
2: You know, I feel like Rick Flagg, if there is a performance that there was probably a good bit left on the cutting room floor, I, oh. I'm guessing it was Rick Flagg's. Yeah. Um, you know, we never actually get to deal with the fact that Waller had the squad kill these rebels. I'm assuming mm-hmm. she knew, like, it was the rebels that were holding him. If they get control of the country, they're going to get this information, kill them. Um, oh,
0: I didn't even think ne- about
2: that. We never uh, oh, uh, have that reckoning. Shit. Okay. Um, And I feel like by the end, the the real battle that I think as an audience we wanted to see was Bloodsport versus Peacemaker. Peacemaker versus Flag, it was a, I don't want to say it was hollow, but when he stabs him with that shard of like, I think it was porcelain, um, and he says Peacemaker, what a joke. Like, I don't feel like they've connected enough as characters and what we saw for that to really land. (laughs) Um, And then when we finally do see the Bloodsport-Peacemaker fight, it is... Over like that. Oh my god! Um, so I mean, this has nothing to do with his performance. I feel like um, I feel like a big part of his arc probably yeah. was left on the cutting room floor because they didn't have time.
1: Okay. All right. Um, uh, Michael, thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree with Shannon. I think mm-hmm. that, like I said, it kind of along with everybody. Like Rick Flagg, he's great. Joel Kinnaman's great. Rick Flag was great in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and the arc that is there as it stands works. Uh, he's he's the leader of these guys, but he is kind of a straight shooter. He believes in what he's doing, even if like you know he he's not as uh, he knows that Waller's kind of not the sweetest of leaders. Yes, but he really true. believes that ultimately what they're doing is good. You see him with the Freedom Fighters. You know he wants to do what's right. He's the one that says we got to go save Harley. Like he's always doing the right thing. And so when you get to the end and he's faced with this choice, he's still going to do the right thing, and that's not what yeah. the mission is. And so like, I, I think it's a good arc for him, but I think with a little bit more work, or maybe to Shannon's point, some of the stuff that was potentially on the cutting room floor, it could have been a great arc. Um, yeah. but, like that's no diss on Joel Kinnaman. I think he was acting his ass off, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to read uh, the comment that Jonathan Gabe left in the chat that said, uh, coming that? back to the Starro point, just to return to the Starro point for a minute, if you're Roka you fly into Hayward Island, and when you land, you meet with customs agent John Walker's wife, who then directs you to a speedboat <laughs> to Starro Reef. Yeah. I'm yeah. getting that, I'm gonna get that whole quote put on a t-shirt and I'm gonna Absolutely. wear it Absolutely. every day. Yeah, John Walker's wife, you give her some lines, at least, to, <laughs>
0: just not just to direct you. I would actually stop and have a conversation, get to know her, see what she's all about, what, you know, what led to her marriage god forbid but yes great quote thank you Jonathan, for watching and for leaving a comment for sure uh, <laughs> hey man you know i point stuff out all right let's work and speaking of stuff that you know works or doesn't work in shows let's move over let's move over to start talking about stuff that didn't work for us overall what uh, what are some points that stand out uh, for you two you two gentlemen uh, you know you write scripts you show run shows mikey and shannon you write uh, for mikey sometimes on some of those shows uh, you guys are great at constructing these things within your own scripts and within your own shows what work what didn't work for you ov- uh, uh, what are some things that didn't work for you i guess overall in the movie Wh- whoever wants to go first Michael.
1: go for it shannon no go for it um,
0: the The big thing that
2: stuck out for me was Amanda Waller's support staff. okay? Um, yes. and and a lot of that had to do with Steve Aggie. And, and like, I think he's he's really funny, But just mm-hmm. looking at this this group of people, um I don't feel like Waller would have.
0: Knuckleheads
2: working I, for her. I don't
0: think she would have hired these people. She no. killed all her previous people in the last film. This yeah. is the staff she hires. Yeah, it's a I don't point. think
2: I don't think there would be a a a, a Deadpool uh, of of people. Like I don't I don't think this would happen under her watch. At least the character that that I've read in the books and that was somewhat established in in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when that when that one staffer knocks her out, um again the 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 arc is there that they talk about the fact that you know she was gonna send bloodsport's daughter to prison Mm. that he was threat she was threatening a kid like she's basically i'm gonna do whatever i have to do um i feel like they would be that that, it just it it just rang a little hollow for me it just wasn't very satisfying and when bloodsport is then negotiating with having that footage of starro um i don't think any of those staffers would be alive i think she would have had them. All killed at that point and yeah. that's that's the main thing that didn't work for me because that's a big that's a big moment because viola davis is just giving a you know with her limited screen time she is giving a powerhouse performance and then yeah. to have someone knock her out that we haven't heard that much from it's like ah that that didn't quite work for me
0: and then, like, yell at someone else to go do their job. It seemed a little weird. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. What'd you, I, I, have to say, I, I tend to agree with Shannon here. I don't think this is the staff she would have hired. And also, these are the people that were taking bets on who was going to die and who was going to live. Now, all of a sudden, they have a heart in their chest? That seems weird to me. Yes, these are criminals. Yes, these are villains. They're still human beings. So just because you're mad that a daughter might get put in jail, I don't think it warrants this kind of – it didn't seem like it was built up enough What do you agree with this, and also what didn't work for you in the film as well?
1: Well, I think it kind of gets to. First of all, I do want to say, even though I I think you both just said it, but I I think uh, I do want to give Viola Davis props because holy shit! Like, like just as we've been going through all the performances, uh, you know, she's always been the perfect casting for Amanda Waller, and anywhere that she showed up, even in the first Suicide Squad movie, she does a really great job. But this movie, they really let her. Like when she is screaming at them, when they are all going off the grid and you like spits flying from like she brings the heat yeah in a major way and you know for all of my critiques about the dc universe up to this point and what they've done wrong and what they've done right and what they should do differently and how they should probably you know switch gears she is someone that i would keep on any roster. She mm-hmm. owns that role and I would love to see her, kind of the way they did in Justice League Unlimited, I would love to see a Viola Davis, Amanda Waller go toe to toe with a Batman, toe to toe with a Superman, toe to toe with Gal or Jason Momoa because the thing about Amanda Waller is like, she's not afraid of any of them and I think she right. can really bring that. Now to Shannon's point, I totally agree. I think everything in this movie and where the good part about Suicide Squad is, is that everything basically works And every performance is amazing and James Gunn is a visual director and it's a just gorgeous movie to watch and everything is basically there. But a lot of it is not all the way there. So to Shannon's point, just like with the staff, like you're right, John, we see them at the beginning placing bets. Uh, this is Amanda Waller's staff so clearly they are not in a morally uh, they're not on the moral high ground Mm -hmm. Um, and so but you go and you see through the movie as they go they do start to get more and more uncomfortable with what's going on and I think you just needed it's not a big thing. You need one or two lines with them where it's like, well, you know, what's what's so bad about it? Like, this is what we do every day. Why is this different? And one of them has right. to say, well, it's different because X. Like, you just needed, and this is kind of throughout. I mean, this is my critique throughout, which is, mm-hmm. I think a pretty basic critique. Not, it's not a heavy critique. I don't think there's anything super wrong with this movie. I think if you had one or two lines with Amanda's support staff, uh, if you had one yeah. or two lines of Rick Flagg saying like what he really believed in, yeah. one or two lines to your point of John of Harley Quinn saying, you know, well, you know, I, I guess I'm gonna have to rescue myself. Like even though that happened, so like none of the things that I'm saying. If you really love this movie and you're like, fuck you, Vogel, that was there. You're 100% <laughs> right. You're 100% right. It's all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think in a lot of these places where other people are saying the movie didn't really work for me, I didn't really feel it was there, I don't think that this is a, whoa, this is super wrong. I think with a couple little bits, and to Shannon's point, a lot of those bits might just be on the editing floor and we cut for time, you really could have solidified a lot of these storylines. Hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I yeah, that was a, a, a store a sore point for me because remember, after they're all killed, the first team is or the, the secondary team as Shannon put it, are killed. They're all like dancing around to the song and Steve A, he's like flicking off Weasel that is dead. It's like, this seems odd that these all of a sudden these fuckers grow a conscience. So to me, it was a little weird to make that turn. But they were smart enough to have another woman of color take out another woman of color and not any of the white people on the staff. That's an optics thing that I think he got right 100% James Gunn because it could have looked bad. I saw Grace grace randolph on youtube and she was saying how she didn't like that they were killing these people of color south american people of color but later we realized it's to make a point about american imperialism that normally i would have agreed with that point but i think further on in the film it's to prove a point about american imperialism overall it doesn't succeed that's up to you as the viewer but i got what james was trying to do with that james like i know him James Gunn was trying to do with that. One. Your buddy, your um, good buddy James. Yeah, my you, good buddy. You guys, James. you guys hang out on Staro Reef together. Jim and Jimmy B, Jim and B. uh No, uh, listen. Uh, what uh, for me? The other thing I think that didn't work is sometimes I think they defaulted to comedy in certain moments where it may not have been necessary to do so, and I thought that kind of dinged it a little bit. I also thought it kind of meandered when they started telling their stories in the bus. It felt a little like, oh, here's the cliche thing, you know? When I get back to town. When I get back home from the war, it felt like that kind of thing. And although it was nice to see back on a Ratcatcher 2, I don't know that we ever connected to anyone else's background other than Ratcatcher 2's background. And so I felt like that was a little bit of the, hey, let's all go to a random uh, Mexican bar and let's all connect and let's all be on the dance floor. Although it was a nice scene, I didn't feel like it made sense. And I would have liked to have seen that used for more conversation between them individually. And there is... Rick flag and Bloodsport on their own. I would have liked to hear, heard more yeah. about their relationship interactions like that. That would have been nice more with dust. and a rat catcher separately more with peacemaker with uh, Sebastian or somebody
1: having a, co- or Milton peacemaker with Milton outside uh, having a
0: cigarette, poor Milton. RIP Milton.
1: I R.I.P. did think by the way, I will say about Milton. I did have a moment like when they were all going <laughs> into the building, uh, right before the big third act. And I was like, Whoa, Milton is really Milton's going in. Milton's going in with them, and then uh, it did not yeah. go well for him. So. <laughs> he was running. R. In, R. I <laughs> was like,
0: "What is happening here?" R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs>
1: Milton. Um,
0: yeah. Well, well there was there
2: was one other thing. Sorry. Yeah. No. Um, I thought I thought the thinker was kind of wasted. Yeah, let's talk about um, that
0: Capaldi. His character. Yeah, yeah. Please. Yeah, I, that
2: that could have been any scientist. Um, mm-hmm like, and it's like the, uh, sure. the thinker, you know, is a flash bad guy. And this version, this is like a, I believe this is a new thinker. This Gaius Greaves, like Cliff, uh, DeVoe is the, the, the first thinker from the yeah. flash, uh, from the flash comics. Um, the thinkers a, it's he's a really cool character, and I feel like even if he, even if he wasn't DeVoe, you've kind of burned him now. Like the, the moment a guy shows up, he normally has a, a cap. Uh, but the moment a guy shows up, like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, the guy from the guy from the Suicide Squad. That was the only character that I was like, I wish we would have gotten more out of. Like, I feel like there was an opportunity to do more with him and it just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of ties into John's comment about that whole scene in the bar, because I think that I had this assumption, he's a thinker, like his superpower is he's real smart. He's out thinking everybody, yeah, yeah. And so he gets into the bar, and I kind of just assumed that, you know, as soon as Bloodsport comes up to him, he's basically going to give you that thing where he's like, yeah, I spotted you right away. I deduced what you were going to do, and this person is doing this, and this person is doing this. Like You would get that moment where you saw his superpower in action, which is how smart he was, Mm -hmm. but then somehow... Bloodsport and the Suicide Squad would be like, well, we're gonna get, like, they're so stupid that they get, him. you know, the Peacemaker's so dumb that he can't, the the thinker can't, like, account for him or something. And none of that really happened. So yeah, I think he he did kind of, you could have said, this is the scientist that works on Project Starfish, and it could have been literally anyone, and his role in the movie would have stayed the same. Um, So I do wish that uh, they had had thunk of some more things to do with him.
0: Oh, there it is. I also think the court of Maltesian stuff, oh, Maltese and stuff, Maltese, that stuff. I thought the uh, court of Maltese stuff overall was very surface. Like we don't really get the threat of this guy taken over. We don't really sense. He's a guy that would kill a family and hang them in the square. The general is overplayed for, for uh, all the beats are overdone. I thought so to me, I never really sensed any danger, even when he burned all the birds It didn't really uh, hit the point that I thought James Gunn was trying to make to make these people seem like they are bloodthirsty or evil or whatever. just didn't really work for me uh, overall. I thought it was very surface, and I think there could have been more. And the guy who is initially the president, he's so,
1: like, just not that interesting uh, that I just didn't – I really didn't care. You know, to be I'm honest. really, I'm really, I'm really struggling with the fact that you want to go give Starro a big hug, but the sounds of <laughs> hundreds of birds screaming, you're like, ah, eh, eh. so, you know, birds. Eh, there's a lot eh. of birds. There's not a lot of starfish. <laughs> it's space starfish.
0: I'm just. Saying. <laughs> No
1: big deal. No big but
0: deal. I, but I will agree with you on the Capaldi stuff. I found that to be uh, – I, I just didn't understand why. You're right, Shannon. He's just another scientist. He does nothing to show you that he is, like, better than anyone else or it's smarter than you or anything like that. Even when he essentially lures Rick Flagg and um, uh, Ratcatcher 2 down there, what we're seeing is essentially Nazi-level experiments. There's nothing really new that he's doing down there that shows his intelligence in any way, shape, or form. So it seemed like a waste. And him like sitting on the roof. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, if you have personalized license plates, I'm walking back and forth. You know, I get it. But I mean, it that didn't was really... great. I mean,
1: that was great. Harley it was Quinn a funny effect.
0: It was a funny line. But it didn't really overall hit the mark that I was hoping for with Capaldi. And maybe they just had one character too many you know maybe one they couldn't give it enough life uh and make it seem like it was a character that you were supposed to fear or anything like that so yeah i think that's a fair complaint yes a lot of people are saying the evil a lot of people are saying the birds the uh, unnecessary death of birds throughout this movie savant hitting him with the rubber ball and then uh of course all the birds being burnt by the by the general in that moment so <laughs> you think that was unfair was he taking a subtle
1: shot at Birds of Prey?
0: Do you think James Gunn was taking a subtle shot at Birds of Prey?
1: I think people, I think people in the chat are saying it represents, it represents all the tweets that got James Gunn in trouble, oh! which I think is maybe more accurate. <laughs>
2: I don't like That's... birds. Why not? I don't like Twitter.
1: Brilliant.
2: <laughs> I mean, he may have been in a delicate place when he wrote this. <laughs> Maybe
0: burn them all. Uh let's see. Carol says, I was so disappointed that they killed off Rick Flag, especially after that moment he had with Harley. I liked him better in this movie. Really surprised that they killed off Boomerang so fast. Overall enjoyed it, but I felt it was a tad too gory. Yeah, did was some of the gore did that turn you guys off in any way, shape, or form? I mean, we get Davidson's face essentially getting blown off. And then from there, it's like gore central in a number of places. I mean, Savant's head is blown off. As I mentioned, uh, King Shark ripping that dude in half, um, and then killing so many people. Did you guys think the gore was a bit much? Uh, the gore, the
2: gore was silly fun, um, okay. and and that's also one of kind of that's a James Gunnism. Is is he he kind of makes some of those you know th- think of like some of his previous films, like he 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 does some kind of cartoony gore. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if they had not gone with the gore, could they have gotten? Could they have gotten the PG thirteen? Oh. Um, I mean, there were there were f bomb a plenty. Right. Um, had they like, and again, I think there's no substitution for a good for a good f bomb. I mean, the mm-hmm. moment with Idris Elba and Storm Reed oh, back and God. forth. I mean, that was that was a great, awesome moment. You. Uh, like you, you I, I don't know if you get that not having, to be able to use the word fuck. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the gore didn't bother me. But I do wonder if the movie hadn't gotten an R, would it have made a few shuckles more? I don't know.
1: Mm. Okay. What do you think? I think, that's a, I think that's a fool's road to go down. Like I just think that, like, yeah, we you cannot. Like, I, I don't think the R rating is what hurt Suicide Squad this past mm. weekend. I think oh, the yeah. fact that the Delta variant is flying around and you could watch the movie on HBO Max without going into a theater yeah. is pretty much the what you need. Um, I know that other movies have done better who, who, that were also on HBO Max, but I just think that I've, I'm glad that James Gunn made the movie he wanted to make and the gore didn't bother me. And so like, I love, I, I think the gore is fine. I think the F-bombs were great. And at the end of the day, I'm glad that we got that version of the movie, uh, even if the, the box office was not what Warner Brothers was hoping it would be.
0: Fair enough. Cooley, hi. What's up, Cooley? He says, hey buddies, I didn't really like the film. It was okay. I just thought the level of violence was too over the top. Over the top. I thought it had some good moments. So, all right, there you go. Another person voting in favor of too much violence. Uh, And thank you, Cooley. Appreciate it, brother. Much love to you. And David. uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. What were you going to
1: say? No, I just think that um, I do think it is interesting because as as I'm thinking about that, the Mm. the violence, as I've been thinking about the violence stuff as we're talking about it, I do think it's interesting. Like it's a hard. This is why Suicide Squad is a harder thing to translate than like a superhero film. Yes. Like these are villains. And part of what makes Suicide Squad fun is that it's villains being villains. But, mm-hmm. and I, so I think James Gunn and DC's kind of thinking here being basically like, all right, well, if we're going to make them be villains, let's do the R-rated movie and let them be villains. Mm-hmm. I think makes sense, but I can see how it's not everyone's cup of tea.
0: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's see here. D Duval 59 says, do you think Gunn had to add in the flowers to Harley's escape scene to avoid an NC-17 rating? Like Tarantino had to censor Kill Bill uh, Volume 1, and and he's referencing that final battle on Kill Bill with the eight right. crazy 88s where he turns it black and white so that you don't see too much of the red blood on screen.
2: I don't think that there was anything sort of so egregious mm-hmm. in Harley's escape scene that adding those flowers was supposed to obscure anything to get a yeah. rating. I think that was I think that was a that was a that was an artistic choice that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, my, Mike. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with Shannon on that. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think through the scene, and I don't think that there was anything. I mean, there was a lot of action, a lot of lot of heads getting bashed in, a lot of shooting right. people down, but I don't think that there was anything like like with Kill Bill, where there was just so much blood. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that, like, there wasn't anything quite as egregious. I think this was just Gunn being like, let me, this is this is how Harley sees the world.
0: <laughs> and that's that. Uh, all right, one more Super Chat. Here is where I'm looking through it. I forgot to read this one. Shamir Kelly says, I love the movie. The Rick Flag and Peacemaker fight was great. The ending shocked me. Also, Milton, com- Milton coming along was funny. And the scene after his death when they didn't realize he was still there. Well, not they, uh, Harley Quinn didn't realize Milton was still there. And, and well, I guess, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bloodsport didn't know Milton had come along at all, but, uh, Harley Quinn didn't even know
1: who the, what the name of the guy was uh, in there. So yeah. What'd you guys think about that? That the, the entire Harley Quinn being absolutely oh. sure that there was no Milton was so funny to me and polka dot man being so uh, just upset about the entire situation, and she just like, I am sure that there was no Milton. <laughs> like it was great. It was great. I a Milton.
2: <laughs> well, and also at the end when she thinks Bloodsport is Milton, like yeah. oh, we just had we just had a long conversation about how your name is Milton.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Did you, Did you guys like the music? Did you like the the needle yeah. drops throughout the movie? Yes, I did. Okay. Look, James James Gunn knows how to pick a needle drop. He does. Yeah, he has proven can't. that he is quite good at that. Can't deny that. Can't deny that. All right, we've got about nine minutes left in the show, so let's let's swing on over to discuss. Now we talked a little bit about the box office. I think we're pretty much all on the same page. The Delta variant, um, the fact that uh, you know, just everything that's going on right now, and the fact that it was available on HBO Max that limits uh, the amount of return business. If you could only see it again going to the theater, I think you'd have seen more money for this and uh someone posted in the chat uh, a, a few minutes ago that hollywood reporter is reporting that hbo max and warner brothers now next year their films will have a 45 day um wait between going out in the theaters and showing up on hbo max so i think that will help does this feel like it's pretty much a wash for the year for hbo max and
1: and warner brothers with these movies i i think it's just a while i think, this is a wa- I, I think- I think two things cuz like okay. one thing that really irks me is that Jungle Cruise came out last weekend. Yeah. And it was also available on Disney Plus for its $30 premium access and it made around the same amount of money as Suicide Squad did. Like right. no I think it made I think it made a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um but it also cost a little bit more to make so i think you know it's like it's it's apples to apples it's a little bit the same and we Mm -hmm. did not get a bunch of articles about jungle cruise being a bomb and is the rock not bankable as a star and with suicide skull we did and look as anybody who watches geek buddies knows i am the first person who will throw shit on dc like i am the first person that'll be like well they fucked this up again and i don't think they fucked anything up here like DC, Warner Brothers with HBO Max, Disney with Disney Plus, everyone is making this decision right now, partially out of the goodness of their hearts because of COVID and because people are afraid to go to theaters and people still aren't comfortable and the Delta variant is out there. And partially because they're standing to make a lot of money in the long run with these streamers. um, They're making this decision to do these simultaneous releases, Mm -hmm. whether it's a premium thing like Disney Plus or it's just on it like HBO Max is. And like this is what's going to happen. If you release something and people can watch it at home, a certain number of people are not going to go to the theaters and see it and but, the and and if this stays this way if we continue to live in this world the era of the 150 200 million dollar opening weekend except in very very rare instances will go away yeah. and that is just that is the business, and I think to your point about what HBO and Warner Brothers are saying now is they're trying to figure out this formula. Yeah, like movie f- movie movie chains are pissed right now. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson is clearly pissed. Like people you are all fighting with money. everybody. Yeah, uh, everybody's you know, no, and and nobody really knows what the rules are because the rules are changing so fast. Yeah. And so I think we're we're figuring it out. And once the dust all settles, I think movies won't make the box office they used to make. And that is the fact of it, but more people will be on streaming. So for the companies, I think it'll be a win-win in the long run.
0: I mean, look at Quiet Place Part 2. That made a lot of money, Shannon. It, it, it made a lot of money. So, I mean, and they did not have the day and date release. So that's the thing that maybe they're looking at. We don't have enough hard data yet to start making decisions. And I think by the end of the year, we will. What do you think about this? And should they uh, should they ignore the box office numbers to give James Gunn another shot add a suicide squad sequel to this one
2: i mean there are occasions in the past where a film comes out and does not perform that well at the box office but does so well yeah yeah. well but uh, no no (laughs) but does so well on dvd on rentals you know uh, that that enough that it makes enough business there that it it, that it does Mm -hmm. prove to the studio like oh maybe we should give this a second shot i mean the uh, to me, I mean one of the most famous examples, and this is very old, um, was Austin Powers. I mean, the first one came yeah. out, made about fifty million dollars. Uh, HBO was set to do an animated Austin Powers series, but then as they saw how the rentals were just, you know, off the charts, they were like, you know what? They they killed the animated series, and they made two very successful box office, yeah. very successful films. So there's a reality where that can happen. Do I think it's going to happen here? I don't know i mean i hope so i mean again because it is available on hbo max um i don't i don't think they've said how how it did i i'd be very curious to hear what you know relatively what those numbers were i hope we get to we get another james gunn suicide squad adventure i mean i thought this again not thinking it was perfect and like i did like it a lot more the second time i watched it i would like to see him return to this world once he's finished up his his guardians trilogy like Come back and and give us one more adventure with the squad.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys agree? Will we give? Will WB give the Suicide Squad another sequel after this weekend's box office numbers? Shannon seems to say yes. Or watch that? Well, do, <laughs> do, do you think they will? I guess. Do you think they will, Michael? Do you think they will?
1: I, I think, think they will. will. Okay. I actually, I actually think they probably will because I think that one. Um, we don't know the numbers on HBO Max yet and right. so we don't know what it's doing there but like those numbers are gonna continue on and I think James Gunn said uh, in an interview or on a tweet or something I saw it where he said that you know movies don't become classics without TV right that he had that he had never seen Jaws in a theater but he loves Jaws. it's one of his favorite movies and we've all watched movies on TV over and over and over and over again and we'll continue to do so and I think that as DC is figuring out, what their universe even is. Mm -hmm. Um, As we, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about about Flashpoint and what that's going to do and how it's going to reset the universe. As I'm looking at what DC has, like forget box office for a minute, but just look at the world building of what they've got. Yeah. Um, they've got Flash over here that's doing whatever it's doing, and they've got these villains. They've got Harley Quinn. They've got this Peacemaker series they've They got Viola Davis who's a fucking badass. Like they've got they've got Idris Elba as Bloodsport who is like a better Deadshot than Deadshot was. Like you know like they've got they've got some characters there that are uh, really working for them. And it would be stupid of them to just throw that away because of a weird opening weekend in the weirdest year of our lives. Uh, And James Gunn is a known quantity. It's not like James Gunn is like some new director who came and you're like, oh, I guess this is his fault. Like The Guardians movies are what they are because of him. This movie feels like a James Gunn movie, Guardians 3 is going to come out and be huge. This Guardians holiday special is going to come out on Disney Plus and be huge. Uh, James Gunn is definitely a bankable director still, despite the weird box office, and I, I I bet they will stick with him. Yep. Janet, you think they'll stick with him?
2: Um, If they don't stick with him, I don't see them doing any more Suicide Squad movies. Wow. Strong statement. I, okay. I mean, not for not for a while.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Uh, someone pointed out in the chat, and I know we got to go here. Someone pointed out in the chat... Um, The hundred eighty-five million, yeah, Thunder God, Cairo, seven, seventy-six. If they do another Suicide Squad, they need to find a way to cut the budget down. One hundred eighty-five million for an already movie about obscure
1: villains is a tall order
0: to make. That's a fair point. It's,
1: I mean, look, you, you, you can definitely do. Say you get, you know, Viola Davis, Margot Robbie, say Peacemaker sticks around and we watch the series and we're all like, holy shit, we like, you know, we like what he did with it. You know, you've got a handful of characters there that you can put them on a much smaller adventure, a much more intimate thing on a much lower budget and stand to like net, net, have a lot, have a bigger win, but still have all the stuff that we really, really loved in this movie. Maybe without John's giant huggable starfish, but you can still have a lot of really fun stuff. Poor guy. That poor starfish. (laughs)
0: He's just just looking at the stars. Um, If they kidnapped me while I was taking a stroll around here in San Diego and kept me in a box for 30 years, I might want to kill some people. Um, All right, anyway, let's get the hell out of here. Thank you all so much for joining us here. As we're wrapping up, please hit a like if you haven't hit a like on this. It takes you two seconds to swing over there hit that thumbs up button. So please give us a like on this video. And if you're watching it later... Give a like and leave a comment. Anyway, those, that's y'all's job. Sorry about that. My, Shannon, tell us, uh, tell them what we need to tell them.
2: Yeah, you would like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you would like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roka, it is at the Roka Says.
1: Mikey? Uh, If you are a lover of birds, a lover of starfish, or a lover of this movie, we are glad that you joined us for this review. Uh, Look, some things that you can do to help us keep doing this is like John said, hit the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page if you've not already. Uh, Leave some comments below in the chat. We've been looking at all your comments in the stream lab, but like definitely leave some comments below in the chat. Let us know what you thought of this. Let us know what you think is gonna happen. Let us know what you liked and didn't like about the movie. Um, If you are listening to this on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments there. It helps us go up in the rankings so that people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is to retweet this video with a snappy little comment. Uh, Put it on your social media pages. Tell everybody to check out the Geek Buddies because we love seeing those view numbers go up. We love hearing that you guys love hearing us. We love having these conversations and we want to keep doing it. So help us out. Thank you so much.
0: Yep. Leave us some stars or some star-os. Hello. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you all so much. We love you, Madly. And don't forget, later on this week, we've got a what if review coming and we've got our regular show coming. And at the end of the week, we've got Bad Batch season finale. So we're gonna be Ooh. figuring that out. A lot of Geek Buddies requirements this week for sure. So we got more coming from you. For for you rather later on this week. All right, take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here from the Geek.
1: BUDDY'S
2: <gasps>